0: The trillions in stimulus that have been issued since the great financial crisis and accelerated last year in response to COVID have resulted in a weakening U.S. dollar and fast rising inflation. And the Federal Reserve and the current administration claim they're committed to pumping out further trillions for as long as it takes. All this intervention is massively deforming, distorting and disrupting the road ahead for today's investors most of whom are totally unaware of how the rules are changing and totally unprepared for what's coming next.
1: And so we've been spoiled by this idea that there's a formula with which to make money easily and restfully. The things that used to be risk-free in the traditional portfolio have become highly risky and people don't get that yet. And a lot of financial planners don't get
0: that. Hello and welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart, welcoming you back for another week of making sense of money and these markets. And we're very fortunate to be joined today by a great mind and an even greater friend. Uh, I'm welcoming John Rubino, who is the proprietor of dollarcollapse.com and the co-author of the book, The Money Bubble. John, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Hey, Adam, good to talk to you again. And congratulations on Wealthion. I I predict a bright future for you guys.
0: (laughs) That's very kind. Uh, Well, we're off to a great start if we're getting uh, notable minds like you on the program, John. Um, All right, so let's let's just dive right into this. Uh, John, you and I talk uh, pretty regularly, I'd say almost weekly, um, which is a huge benefit for me. Um, And I'd love to give our listeners a little bit of a fly in the wall experience of those kind of conversations. So to kick things off, Um, If I can just ask you the same question I ask all of our guests at the beginning, um, just because I don't want to introduce any bias one way or the other, what is your current assessment of today's economy and financial markets?
1: Well, I think as we have been for the past 20 years, we're screwing up on an on absolutely biblical scale and we're going to pay a huge price for it in the future. You know, when, when that happens exactly is, is hard to say, but, uh, but something very serious is coming because of the
0: mistakes that we've made in the past and that we continue to make. All right. And uh, so I guess that's a great jumping off point here. So you started your, your website, which is called Dollar Collapse because you concluded long ago that our debt-based current, our debt-based fiat monetary system uh, would ultimately end in a currency crisis, hence dollar collapse. Um, can you explain you know, some of the specific reasons why you came to this conclusion?
1: Yeah, well, the, the basic story begins in 1971 when we broke the last remaining link between the world's big currencies and gold. Prior to that, um, gold is, existed at the basis of the global monetary system and it limited how much new currency governments could create. Um, take that away and it, it handed everybody basically an unlimited credit card. And human nature being what it is, we've been abusing the ability to create money out of thin air ever since. Uh, with all the consequences that you would expect, we're, we're now a, a debt-ridden society or, or every major society at every level is, um, is debt-ridden. Um, and we've got these ever bigger booms and busts, you know, the, um, the amplitude of the cycle keeps getting bigger and bigger so that each bust requires uh, an even bigger bailout on the part of the world's governments. We have to create more debt, we have to uh, create more currency and dump it into the banking system. Uh, and there, there was always you know, this endpoint out there where a bust would be so big that it would force the world's governments to bail out basically everybody in sight and that would shift the pressure over to the currencies. In other words, we'd have to, to create such a huge oversupply of dollars and euros and yen and pound sterling that uh, that the value of those currencies would just fall off the table one day. In other words, inflation would start to really rage. We'd have a hyperinflation, uh, which would cause either you know, a- absolute chaos or at a minimum some kind of big monetary reset. Um, and you know that we're playing out according to that script. Each crisis is bigger than the last one, and the you know the pandemic uh, lockdown turned out to be um, you know that might be the one that does it because that has required such an immense amount of money from the world's governments. You know the U.S. is going to run a a, a, um, a government budget of about six trillion dollars this year, three trillion of which is going to be borrowed. You know those numbers are just absolutely insane uh so it could be that we're at the point where um, the, the current crisis is requiring bailouts that are so immense that we can't go on much longer this way um but who knows you know but but anyhow the uh, the story remains basically according to script each crisis is bigger and the bailout has to be bigger and the amount of debt that we carry forward is much much bigger uh, and eventually that blows up the system. So I, you know, I don't know where we are on, on the process time-wise, but we are certainly closer than we were two years ago.
0: Okay, so many questions coming out of that, including one I was just about to ask. Maybe you don't want to answer it, but um, uh, I was going to ask you, you, since you're saying that, hey, who knows, you know, maybe the policy response to the pandemic might actually be the thing that really tips us over. Um, if you had to guess, what inning would you say we're in here?
1: Well, it feels like we're in the later innings of the game, and possibly the ninth inning. But uh, I have no credibility when it comes to calling the timing of things like this because I, I thought the um, the housing bubble bursting would have been the the end of the game, and uh, I didn't think we could get beyond two thousand eight, two thousand nine without some kind of a really serious monetary crisis slash reset. But we managed to do it. You know, we borrowed tens of trillions of new dollars and just ran the printing presses nonstop and bought ourselves another decade of what looks like normality to the average person, but is actually you know, complete insanity under the surface if you look at the numbers. Um, so since we did that once, who knows if we can do it again. It's possible, but the numbers that would be required for something like that are just so unearthly <laughs> that it, you know, it's hard to... Uh, to put another 10 years, like the last 10 years, in the, um, the category of probable. I, I suppose it's physically possible, but it, it seems highly unlikely to me. I think that uh, we're, we're getting closer and closer to the end of the game. So we, you know, seventh inning, eighth inning, probably. Ninth inning, possibly.
0: Okay. And you know, you've been tracking this for a long time. Um, I think I started reading your site, John, I want to say in 2008, if not sooner. Um, And uh, you wrote your book, The Money Bubble, back when? When was that published?
1: Well, let's just say I had black
0: hair when I started
1: (laughs) telling this story. Um, So yeah, The Money Bubble was 2014, co-written with uh, Gold Money's James Turk. And that that was our attempt to explain what has now become the everything bubble. In other words, um, previous bubbles were basically sector specific. You had gold and silver in the 1970s and junk bonds in the 1980s and tech stocks in the 1990s and housing in the 2000s. Uh, Those were bubbles that expanded within their sector, um, caused a lot of crazy things to happen, then burst and threatened, but did not take down the global financial system. Um, The current bubble, Is in a lot of different places at the same time government bonds and and housing in the US right now, and and tech stocks, and it just goes on and on. Cryptos, very possibly. Um, So, this is such a broad based bubble that you have to to really trace it back to the currency and say the, the actual current or the actual bubble is in fiat currencies and the government bonds that are based on them. Um, so when this bubble bursts, it won't just be some, oh, Amazon went down by 95% you know, kind of thing. It'll be everything in your portfolio is thrown into chaos. Your, your bond funds are tanking, the cash in your bank account is getting less valuable, your tech stocks are tanking, your real estate um, is, is doing things that you never thought it would do. So um, this is a different animal and that's what we were trying to get at with the money bubble. And, you know, so far it's turned out to be true. The, the everything bubble is just expanding and expanding and expanding with, uh, with no real end in sight. Although, you know, you have to recall from history that when there's no end in sight, that's usually when the end is right there. You know, if you can't imagine something stopping, then it's, it's ready to stop.
0: Yeah, when the end is not in sight, it means it's imminent. Um, well, I mean, what what concerns me is that you know you are a smart guy who's been tracking this for a long time. You have written about the likely trajectory that the process is going to take, and it has been basically progressing according to script. And you think we are in the later stages of this, right? So, um, I think your perspective is probably better than most in terms of where where we are. So that is that is quite worrisome. So let let's actually talk about. Kind of the end here, or or what the ending looks and feels like. Um, So, you know, really, there's, there's sort of when you get to a a place where um, false prosperity has been built upon an unsustainable system, um, where I think we can make lots of arguments that 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 describes where we are today. You really only have two options at the end of the day. Um, You either have to let all of the malinvestment clear right, which is very deflationary. Um, that's where bad debts get defaulted upon, you know, uh, companies, that stocks that are any asset that's been bid up to speculative heights, you know, crashes back to a more fundamentally based uh, valuation. Um, so that's very deflationary. The other option is just to inflate your, your, you know, you inflate the value of the currency away where you meet all your obligations nominally, but you've just destroyed the real purchasing power of the currency. Um, and so I guess uh, open question to you, John, is is, is where, you know, h- how do you think this is likely to unfold? Um, I assume in the long arc, it's, it's a currency crisis where these fiat currencies either become worthless or, or worth little enough that they want to shift to a different currency regime. Um, is it just a straight path to that? Or is there a risk of, you know, some big market correction on the way here? Um
1: Yes, there is, a, there is a risk like that. Uh, to to um, add historical perspective to this, um, you, you could say that our choices are another Great Depression or another Weimar Germany hyperinflation. So we, we're looking at those two scenarios without a realistic middle way um, that gets us painlessly to some kind of sustainable financial system. Um, so, you know, it, it, how it progresses from here is a very interesting and, and tricky question because if it was just the amount of debt that we've taken on and the amount of bad debt that's now bubbling up, the, another Great Depression would be kind of obvious, right? Because all of this debt is just going to blow up on us at some point. And people are going to go bankrupt by the millions, which will wipe out the debt, but it will also wipe out their creditors and so on until everybody's broke or everybody but a handful of people are broke. Um, that looks very logical based on the amount of debt we've taken on. But the um, for the first time in history, every country in the world is armed with an unlimited printing press, so they can basically create create. if, if the, um, the debt bubble is huge but finite. The amount of currency that can theoretically be created to prop up that debt bubble is infinite. So you've got a gigantic number on one side and a potentially infinite number on the other side um, that will probably come to pass. You know, governments aren't gonna let us descend into a 1930s style deflationary depression because they become the Herbert Hoovers of our generation. Then, you know, they're the guys who presided over and screwed up the best economy in the world. They don't want that to happen. And their only option is to combat the inevitable deflation that comes from having too much debt with newly created currency. So they're, they're just gonna, I mean, they're gonna do what they're doing now, right? They're gonna run the printing presses until they get some kind of growth out of the system. And uh, for how that's gonna look, you can basically look at what we're doing right now. We're, um, you know, we're creating m- amounts of new currency that would have been absolutely inconceivable to economists of 15 years ago. And we've got interest rates at negative levels around the world now and, and zero in a lot of other places. So we're already doing things that kind of fit the bill for uh, creating infinite amounts of currency uh, to combat a, uh, another Great Depression, um, so we're kind of living in that endgame scenario right now. And the question is, um, you know, are, are they going to create more? <laughs> you know, and what happens if uh, if we push interest rates down into say negative territory in the U.S and increase the money supply growth from the current 30, 40, 50%, depending on the measure that you choose to 100%. What happens then? Common sense says you get a hyperinflation, but we've got all this debt out there that, uh, that, that is just unprecedentedly immense and um, gonna be really hard to combat. So we can't say for sure that the inflationary path is the one we take out of it, out of this, but uh, you, you can say that the governments are gonna try for that. You know, that's gonna be government policy to inflate our way out of this mess. And we're just gonna find out if it's physically possible. And nobody's ever tried this before on this scale globally. So we don't know for a fact that uh, any one thing is possible, but that's what they're gonna try for. So over the next few years, or maybe over the next few months, who knows how this goes time-wise, um, We'll see absolutely crazy amounts of currency be created and dumped into the banking system, and we'll see what it does. You know, there are a few things that are almost certain to flow from this, but um, a lot of other things that are very uncertain because there's no historical precedent for them. So, you know, volatility and uncertainty are really the only two things you can say that are guarantees going forward and then possibly gold and silver. <laughs> you know, Beyond that, I, I don't know what I would would say is um, highly likely even in the near future.
0: All right, well, that, that's actually a great transition because um, I, I want to now get into the more tactical parts of things, but I, I, I do want to sort of reword what you just said because it sounds great, which is I think the only thing we can be certain of you're saying is uncertainty. Um, that there will be more uncertainty going forward more volatility et cetera and, and that's sort of where i was going right right before we get into you know potential specific solutions to look at um, you know my observation from from interviewing m- many you know great experts like you over the past bunch of months is almost to a person they feel like we are in the one of, if not the most treacherous times in living memory for investors, um, because of that uncertainty, um, y- you can you can feel like okay, I know where this is going to end. Right, it's going to end with more currency printing. It's going to end with a more devalued dollar. Um, that's going to have an inflationary impact on prices in the long run. Um, but there's there's so much debt out there. Um, there are so many unknown weak points in the system, and Archagos is just sort of one small example of that, right? Um, you know, people that are using excessive leverage and, and everything is trading right now at huge levels of speculation. So you could have a domino effect where, you know, certain overextended players fail and that ripples through the economy. So, um, where I'm going with this is even though the ending we might feel we have a relatively high degree of probability in predicting, the path there is unpredictable. And I think the authorities have have told us, I mean, the Fed's been straight up, hey, we're gonna try to maintain a certain amount of of inflation and try to keep everything within that nice band. But what might end up happening is is them having to ping pong between more easing, more tightening, more easing, more tightening, as inflationary pressures really begin to bite into society the way that they were doing back in the 70s. And why I'm kind of hammering this point home is it makes it really hard for the investor because you can't really, There are a few sort of set it and forget it investments you can make out there, I believe. Um, Because if we have this volatility, if we have this sort of whipsaw trajectory, you might position yourself for the right ending, but you might get killed way before you get there because the trend goes in a different direction for a period of time. Do you see a similar risk? Oh, I see myriad risks out
1: there. Yeah, but um, yes, even by doing the right thing for the long term you can lose a ton of money in the short term when, when every you know every market freaks out simultaneously which is uh, what we tend to get when for instance stock stocks tank they tend to pull everything else down with them including precious metals so you know you could say that um, historically and this is absolutely true two things about gold and silver historically they have held their value through pretty much anything that humanity and nature has been able to throw at them so for three to 5,000 years, they've been valuable no matter what we're doing. And so it's highly likely that they will hold their value going forward. So over five to 10 years, your purchasing power will be protected if you have a lot of it in precious metals. However, a stock market flash crash or, or more than a flash crash, you know, a very serious bear market uh, would take gold and silver down with them. So you could lose 30 to 50% of your money in precious metals in the short run while you're still doing the right thing long-term. And that's the kind of thing that we're looking at. And you know, basically the same thing is, is true of any asset class you wanna look at right now, um, that they might do well in the long run, uh, with the exception of government bonds, forget about government bonds. They will not do well in the long run, but they might do well in the short run. Um, so um, anything you buy now carries kind of a chaos risk element to it. In other words, things could just get so crazy that even this thing you chose—that is really the right thing long term—could lose you a lot of money. And there's this, you know, there, there's no solution to that because it applies to everything. It applies to the bank, the money in your bank account. It applies to your house. Um, it applies to the gold and silver that you have stored in a safe place, to your tech stocks, everything. Um, so one way you counter that is with diversification. Um, Spread your um, spread your wealth around a little bit instead of concentrating it in one sector, because any one sector is vulnerable. Um, and the other is try to skew your finances in the direction of real things, because they at least have long-term utility. Even if their price fluctuates along with the rest of the you know the financial asset world, farmland can still feed you and feed your neighbors and produce something you can sell no matter what the dollar is doing. Gold and silver over long periods of time have held their value really well. As I said, Um, that's money. That's money that you can spend if you need to. You know, if your bank account is unavailable for whatever reason or the the dollar has its own flash crash and all of a sudden your cash is worth less, gold and silver will still hold their value more than likely. Um, So, if you skew your finances towards real assets where there isn't a counterparty risk, et cetera, et cetera, there's utility, you'll tend to do better in times of chaos just because you own something that can actually be used for something else. You know, they can actually bring you uh, a benefit in real time, in real, in real terms. Um, so financially, that's the, uh, the best advice I can offer even though it's possible that the things you buy might fluctuate in value along the way. Uh, you know, it's completely possible that if uh, if we have a deflation that comes before the inflation, in other words, if the bond market blows up before the Fed can try to inflate away the dollar, um, it's possible that um, that even things like well-chosen rental houses and farmland and gold and silver will go down for a while, but not for very long, because they the government will respond to any kind of a deflationary event out there with an unlimited printing press, um, you know, pointed straight at whatever happens to be going <laughs> down at the moment, and, um, and and so you'll make your money back, whatever short-term losses you have in real assets, and then some, and then some, and then some, for as long as the crisis lasts. So, uh, you know, I wish I could say buy this, and it will go up from now to infinity, uh, but that's not possible now. You know, all that's possible is that you diversify into the sectors that will probably hold their value better than other sectors going forward.
0: Very, very well said, John. And um, you know, it's very corroborative. We, we have the, the on online conference this weekend. Um, and folks, if you're watching this before Saturday, June 5th, uh, you still have a chance to register for that. Just go to wealthyoncom conference. Um, but John, I would say most of the speakers at the conference uh, similarly say that, um, you know, nobody's got an exact crystal ball, but a lot of them think probability wise um, we are likely to see some sort of deflationary crunch you know, in the not too distant future. Some are predicting months, some are predicting you know, next couple of years. Um, and then they all expect, as you said, just you know, unbelievably massive central planner um, stimulus response to that, you know, making like even what we've seen in the past year look like child's play. So um, you know, where I'm going with this is, and you did a great job of, of really, I think, explaining and articulating this is, Um, You you can't be, you can't be lazy here and I don't mean to make that sound prerogative, uh, pejorative, but, um, you know, in past eras, there were places that you could park for safety. It's a lot harder to do that now. Right, you you park yourself in cash, which is a very real position to be in if you're concerned about deflation. But it's getting eroded, you know, by while you're waiting. If inflation continues to rise the way that it's doing right now, Um, obviously, if you get out of cash and go up the risk curve, you then become at much greater risk of of a big market correction. And and some very notable people are predicting quite a large market correction. I mean, you've got really venerated guys like Grantham who are predicting a 50% market correction like this summer. You got guys like Dave Hunter, who's talking at our our conference, who's predicting more like an 80% market correction. And um, so the the reality, the thing I'm trying to drive home here for people is um, we've really enjoyed a decade, really kind of multiple decades of um, easy driving for passive investment. You could buy an index, set it, forget it, and it would pretty much make money dependably for you year after year. We're now entering an era where active management is going to become a lot more important, where you need to be looking at the markets and being nimble, reacting to what the reality on the ground is. For a lot of people, they don't have the time, bandwidth or experience to do that themselves. There's the people that we tell, hey, go work with a professional financial advisor. I'm going to bring on the guys from New Harbor relatively soon. That's why I have them on this program so they can hear from one. You don't have to work with New Harbor, but you should work with somebody like them, given the era that we're, we're entering into. Um, all right. So enough, enough of that. But real quick, I'll, I'll give the torch back to you here. John, but you, you, you did what I was hoping for, which is you said, okay, look, I think a good category of investments for what's coming are hard assets. Um, you mentioned a few farmland, et cetera. I know you're real excited about gold, silver. Um, feel, free to, feel free to make any commentary based on what I just said, but I, I, I wanna now kind of transition into, um, you know, what do you think are some of the best ways to um, invest in gold and silver? for capital preservation, purchasing power protection, but also I I believe, I don't wanna put words in your mouth, I think you believe that it's actually gonna be a good place potentially for wealth growth going forward, given the higher inflation coming.
1: Yeah, Adam, you made three really important points there that I wanna touch on. The the first is that it's been easy for us as investors, uh, basically for a lifetime. And the reason for that is because we have been in um, a, a a credit super cycle since World War II where more and more currency and more and more debt have been created year after year after year, which really smooths things out because it makes stocks go up and, and bonds in general become more and more valuable over time. So the average investor could be in uh, you know 50% stocks, 30 or 40% bonds. It would have been in anything practically. Cash. Yeah, and, and basically that's all you had to do in 1949 and you would have made money on balance every decade. Going forward, you would have done great. And so we've been spoiled by this idea that there's a formula with which to make money easily and restfully. Um, now, oh, what was the second point? There was another point. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, suddenly, the things that used to be risk-free in the traditional portfolio have become highly risky. And people don't get that yet and a lot of financial planners don't get that you know the idea that uh, cash and bonds um, have any risk associated with them is not mainstream understanding yet but the fact is because we're screwing up the currencies the financial assets that depend on the value of our currencies are at extreme risk right now in other words they're not risk-free anymore um so if the dollar tanks in other words a bond which pays you dollars year after year goes down in value as well same thing with the bank the, the money in your bank account it goes down in value too so the hideouts of traditional investing are no longer a safe place to be anymore so it, you know uh, if you have a financial plan or put you in stocks bonds and cash it's possible all three of those things go down at the same time um and you know, a lot of retirees couldn't handle something like that. That would destroy their plans and, and send them back to work if something like that happens. Uh, so that's what you've got to worry about now. And because of that, you need expert advice that is not mainstream. You can't trust a traditional financial planner who's using, you know, this cookbook formula to allocate your money to safely do that anymore. So you need somebody who's going to, you know, do what I said. Look, look at the hard asset side of the spectrum and skew in that direction. And that's something that um, the average stockbroker stock or financial planner would say is kind of alien and, and excessively yeah. dangerous because it's not well understood. Uh, but you kind of have to take that con- uh, the conceptual leap right now in that direction. And because most people don't know how to do that, it's helpful to have pros that do know how to do that walk you through it.
0: All right, well you're setting the New Harbor guys up um, just beautifully, so they're gonna send you a really nice fruit basket after this, uh, this video. We hope you've been enjoying this conversation with monetary analyst, John Rubino. The interview continues over in part two, where John explains the role that hard assets can play in protecting the purchasing power of your portfolio, as well as sharing some specific sectors and companies that he views favorably right now. To watch part two, just click on the link provided in the description of this video below, or go to youtube.com slash Wealthion. But before you do, please don't forget to click the subscribe button below if you haven't already. Oh, and if you'd appreciate a free, no strings attached portfolio review by a financial advisor who takes into consideration the macro risks and market opportunities that John mentions in this video, Just go to Wealthion.com and we'll set one up for you. Okay, I'll see you over in part two of our interview with John Rubino.